0: This was where I was going to do something that I'm not going to do now, Pastor Mike. I just wanna get into the word. I was gonna have the boys and girls come, I was gonna make announcements and all that kind of stuff, but just hearing you guys sing that song and I sense, there's a, I'm singing this to myself, I'm struggling today to turn my eyes on Jesus kind of sense that there was some singing this to the people around you because you know there's some people around you that are maybe struggling today to turn their eyes upon Jesus. We've talked about gut punches and and, and the experiences of life that we go through. And I've heard from so many of you over the last several weeks about uh, things that are happening in your life and, and and just your desire to lean more fully and dependently upon the goodness of the Lord to to walk you through those things. and um, So I just felt like to do what I had planned would be a disconnect and I just wanna wanna pray. I wanna pray and then I just want us to walk through God's word together today. God, would you help us today to really turn our eyes on you? Lord, we confess today that we stand in great need of you. We also confess, God, that you do not stand in need of us. You're God all by yourself. But God, we are so grateful that you welcome us in. God, that you desire to draw near to us. And so Holy Spirit, would you just continue to use everything that's a part of this gathering today of your people to help us turn our eyes to our Savior, your Son, Jesus. And we pray this in his name, amen. If you have a Bible this morning, let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Some of you know I've kind of gotten into walking. I've learned to enjoy walking. There was a time in my life when I was younger that I kind of thought walking was a waste of time. I thought if I could uh, get some type of activity done faster, why wouldn't you just do it faster? But now I'm really finding that I enjoy walking. I I have no desire to start mall walking. That just looks a little uh, too strange to me. But I am, especially out here at Shadow Lake, I enjoy walking out here. And I'm seeing so many people when we get some of these nice days, like, I'm thinking next Sunday, maybe. Let me just go ahead and put a bug in your ear. That would be a great Sunday, just to kinda get with some friends and family out here, just bring a picnic, have your car packed and ready, so when church is over, you just sorta enjoy the day. But we're starting to see just a host of people coming out and enjoying this place, and many people out there walking. Well, you know, the Bible describes the relationship that God's people have with God as a walk. We see that theme all throughout Scripture. It's a walk. It's not a sprint. It's not a run. Our relationship with God is intended to be steady and consistent. That's what walking is. Walking is simply steady movement, consistent pace. It's not a standstill. It's not a stop. It's something that's not fast. It's not in a hurry. It's just steady and consistent, and the more I come to understand about the Lord, that's what I'm coming to know that he really wants from me, just a steady, consistent walk with him. The Bible uses that word walk to describe God's relationship with his people all throughout the Bible. Adam and Eve, God walked with them in the cool of the day. The Bible says in Genesis chapter five that Enoch walked with God. Eventually, they just walked on to heaven. The Bible says in Genesis chapter six that Noah walked with God. The Bible tells us that Abraham and Isaac, they walked with God. So the Bible uses that imagery not only to tell us this is the kind of relationship that people in the scriptures had with God, but the Bible uses that same word to describe the kind of relationship that God wants to have with me and you. In the day and time in which we live, we're commanded, for example, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 John chapter 1 commands us to walk in the light as he is in the light. 3 John tells us to walk in the truth. Colossians chapter 2 tells us to walk in Christ. Galatians chapter 5 tells us to walk in the spirit. We're commanded in Ephesians 4 to walk worthy of the manner in which we've been called. And in 2 Corinthians chapter five, probably the most famous one of all, we're called to walk by faith, not to walk by sight. That's the picture of our relationship with the Lord. It's a walk. Just like young parents will stand up their little toddler and try to get them steady on their two feet, will stand back at a few paces and say, come on, come on, you can do it. So often I think that's what the Lord's doing in our lives is he's inviting us to move toward him and begin to have a steady and consistent walk with him in life. And we see that imagery in our scripture today in Matthew chapter 14. God's doing that in Matthew chapter 14. It's another place where he's getting in front of his toddler, so to speak, and he's encouraging them to walk, to walk by faith to trust him. And I want you to see that today. So if you're not in Matthew 14, look on with somebody else or we'll put it up there on the screen. Let's pick it up in verse 22 where we left off last week. Verse 22 says, immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat. I get a sense there's a little bit of pushback there. They didn't wanna leave his side, but he makes them get into the boat. You know, sometimes he may make you do something you don't wanna do. Trust him. Sometimes he may put you in a place that you would rather not be, just trust him. He made his disciples get into that boat and go before him, ahead of him, to the other side. This is at the Sea of Galilee. And it says, while he dismissed the crowds. So this is what's happening on the heels of what we looked at last week. Jesus just fed 5,000 men, probably at least that many women, countless children in that Sea of people, all the bellies are full. The Bible tells us that many of those people had been healed. Now the sun is beginning to go down. It's gonna be dark soon. And so Jesus puts his disciples on the boat. He unties it from the dock. He gives them a little push. They're none too happy about it. And then he turns around and he waves goodbye to the crowd of people as they begin their journey home. Verse 23 says this, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Hey, if if you came here today with a heavy heart, and and maybe you've not been here the last couple of weeks, it would just be a good moment here for me to remind you, I think that's the state of Jesus' heart here in verse 23. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know, as I do, this is the whole reason Jesus was there to begin with. He had just been gut-punched because his own hometown had rejected him. He's been gut-punched because his close friend and cousin, the best man in his ministry, John the Baptist, was senselessly, ruthlessly, cruelly murdered. And you know that Jesus had come to this place originally, initially, to, to be alone, probably to grieve, and certainly to spend some time by himself with his father. And that had immediately been interrupted by these tens of thousands of people who came pressing upon him. But now he's finally getting to do up on that mountain all by himself what he had come there to do all along. I think his heart's still heavy. I think at this point his body is also exhausted. He's been ministering, serving all day long at a time when he really, would have preferred to be alone with his father. You say, I know what that's like. There's been times I've just been spent, and I was ready to come up for air, and then the next wave hit, and we had to keep going. Listen, if you know how that is in your life, you're in good company. Jesus, he knows that, he's there. So here he is, he's up on this mountain in the dark of night by himself, and then we read verse 24. But the boat, remember the boat? They're out on the sea, the disciples, and it says the boat by this time was a long way, long way from the land, and it was beaten by the waves. Why? Because the wind was against them. I don't think the disciples expected this. This probably started off like, you know, the Gilligan's Island cruise, you know? It was calm. They kinda had an idea what this night on the Sea of Galilee was gonna be like. But they also knew this lake. They knew the topography. By the way, the Sea of Galilee is the lowest lying freshwater lake on planet Earth. 700 feet below sea level. It's not that big. It's about 13 miles long, about seven or eight miles across. About 150 feet deep maybe at its deepest point. But because the way it's situated there, storms had a way of just coming over the tops of those mountains and falling into what's kind of like a pot sunken down in the earth's crust. And those storms would churn violently there. So those disciples know that that can happen. And so when this storm starts out on them, that's not out of the ordinary, but it certainly wasn't where they wanted to be. Kind of like we're coming up on March and April here in Alabama. And so it's not gonna be out of the ordinary when you see Span stripped down to his suspenders, right? And he's gonna call out your street name. And that's not unusual for people in, in our parts of the country, right? Even though it's not out of the ordinary, it's certainly not what we wanna find ourselves in, in that kind of situation. So they're struggling, they're struggling that night at sea in the boat. The waves are beating against them. It's difficult. It's dark, they're drenched, and they're probably cold. And Jesus, in that moment, is so very far away. So very far away, but he is at the same time fully aware of what's happening in the lives of his people. I wanna remind you this morning that no matter how big the storm is today in your life that you're going through, your struggle before God has not gone unnoticed. He sees. Let's just sit there for a minute. Whatever the storm may be that you're in this morning, he sees. Just breathe that in. He knows. And while he may not be a God who runs, he is certainly a God that does not stand still. He is not a God that does nothing. He is a God who walks. And he walks with purpose, and he walks with intentionality, and his walk cannot be stopped. And so he's going to go to the aid of his disciples, and he will not go by boat. He will go to his people as he always goes to his people. A slow, steady, consistent, Intentional, purposeful, unwavering, determined walk. Calm and confident. He always walks. You never see Jesus running in the Bible. He never gets in a hurry. Oh, there's times I had wished that he would. But he's always on time. In my opinion, he's missed a few opportunities to get there early, but he's always on time. He never gets in a hurry. Even when it may look like it's the most stressful, the most dire, the most urgent of situations, he just walks. And now he is about to walk out on a stormy sea. Kind of like where some of you are this morning. Look at verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. That's when us old guys are waking up, right? And he came to them, the Bible says, walking. They're freaking out, they're panicking. He's walking. On the sea. Even in this moment, he's not in a hurry. So, what if the boat capsizes? So, what if they're thrown overboard? So, what if they sink 150 feet to the bottom of the sea? Can he not raise them up again? He's not in a hurry. I think about when he walked. To Bethany to see Lazarus who was sick and while he was walking Lazarus died and Martha comes running out letting Jesus have it if you had only picked up the pace if you had only moved a little faster if you had only hurried maybe he wouldn't be dead death is nothing to Jesus he says to Martha I am the resurrection I am the life Nothing is too difficult for him. Now, I think that on this night, Jesus isn't just walking out there on the sea to calm his disciples. And he's not just walking out there on the sea that night to to calm the storm. I think there's more to it than that. I I think this is a teachable moment that he's seizing here. He's going to teach them and us today more about what it is to walk with him more of what it means to walk by faith than a personal relationship with him. So I, I, I wanna give you this morning four lessons this morning for us with what we can expect when we determine that we wanna walk by faith with Jesus. Four things are gonna be true of walking by faith in this world, four realities. Number one is this, as you walk by faith, you will face a foe. There is a foe to all of those who will walk by faith. You're gonna encounter this foe, this enemy along the way, and that foe that we struggle with and against is called fear. It's fear. Verse 26 says, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. The disciples think this is a, a ghost coming to get them. It, that was the, the way they thought in those days. It was kind of superstitious, but they thought that people who had drowned in those kind of storms at sea would sometimes come back and walk on those waters and haunt those waters. And the people that sailed on those waters. And, and this sounds strange to us, but don't forget, most of us are hearing this story today about Jesus walking on water for like the thousandth time. The idea of somebody walking on water, I mean, that's just a common phrase in our vernacular today, right? They had never heard of that. They had never seen that. I mean, Moses didn't walk on water. God gave them dry ground to walk on. There was no point of reference for anybody to ever walk on water, so this makes no sense to them. This has never been done before. So I don't blame them, and you shouldn't either, for assuming that whoever this is coming towards them is a ghost, that's the only reasonable explanation. It it has to be some kind of disembodied spirit that's coming across the waters probably coming to get us, right? And so therefore, I don't blame them for being afraid. In fact, let's just give them a little bit of slack here. We get afraid of things that we think are coming at us in the dark of life. At least they were afraid of what they actually saw coming at them in the dark of night. See, fear is our foe. Fear erodes our faith. Fear steals our joy. Fear weakens our resolve and our convictions, and we are afraid. We're afraid of all kinds of ghosts. The Bible warns us in Proverbs about the fear of man. Jesus warns us in Matthew 6 about the fear of tomorrow. Well, that's one that eats us up, right? We're, we're all haunted by the ghost of tomorrow. We're afraid of tomorrow. We're afraid of the future. Jesus In Mark chapter four, speaks about the fear of these kinds of storms. We fear what we don't know. We fear what's different. We fear what's new. We fear what's old. And here's why fear is such a foe. Here's why fear is such a problem, because when we fear something, we begin to act out oftentimes in ways that are sinful, ways that are not pleasing to the Lord. When we're afraid, we sin, because we don't believe God is who he says he is. We begin to doubt the character of God. We begin to doubt the Word of God. When we're afraid, we sin because we say things in our fear because we're afraid God's not gonna speak for us. When we're afraid, we oftentimes sin and we do things in our fear because we're afraid God's not gonna do anything. And so we act sometimes irrationally. Fear leads us to preaching a false gospel to ourselves. It's the diagram of the tree we looked at, right, several weeks ago. Fear begins to feed us lies about who God is. Fear begins to feed us lies about what God has done. Fear begins to feed us lies about who we are in Jesus. This is the struggle with fear. Fear distorts our view and our understanding. It is the foe. It is the foe that you and I are facing and struggling with as we seek to live in a relationship with the Lord and walk with him by faith. God is so good. He knows that this is our foe. He knows that this is our struggle. And our Heavenly Father, lovingly over and over and over, never tires of saying to us, Fear not. Eventually, I just wanna snap at my children sometime and go, stop asking. Stop talking about it. That's not the kind of heavenly father he is. Patiently, compassionately, a billion times. Fear not. Fear not. Over and over in his word, we see God arming his people with hope to battle this foe. A fear," He said to Abraham, pack up everything and everybody. Where are we going? I'm not telling you, just get moving. And he can see it on Abraham's face and God says, fear not. To Isaac, he says, fear not. The Israelites are at the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his army are pressing down on them. God sees the fear in the faces of all those millions of people and what does he say to them? Fear not. Joshua Moses is dead and Joshua's about to bring the people across the Jordan River into the land that God had promised Abraham. God sees that look on Joshua's face and he says to him, fear not, there's Gideon. God has shrunk the enemy down from 30,000 to 300 and they're going against the mighty Midianites and he sees the look on Gideon's face and he says, hey, fear not. There's this young little Jewish girl, younger than these ladies probably up here on this front row, many of y'all, And an angel of the Lord shows up to her and says, hey, I know you're not married, I know you've never been with a man, but the long-awaited Messiah is in your womb. Your whole life is gonna be turned upside down. Sees the look on her face and says, fear not. Shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night, and the glory of the Lord shines out upon you in the middle of open field, you probably think you're about to die. And seeing that, they say to them, Fear not. There's John exiled to the Isle of Patmos. He's abandoned. He's alone. He's old. And then on top of that, he has this incredible revelation from Almighty God to him. And John says, I fell on my face as if I was a dead man. That's how afraid I was. And you know what God said to him? Fear not. And right here in Matthew chapter 14, it's the same God, only this time in flesh, saying the very same thing to his people again. Look at verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Listen, from Genesis to Revelation, to right here, right now, this is what God is saying to his people who wrestle with this foe and are walk by faith, do not be afraid, fear not. He said to his disciples, it is I, do not be afraid. In fact, more literally, in the Greek, he says, ego, I me, which is I am. As he walked toward them, he identified himself as the great I am. In other words, he was saying, I am Yahweh, the the God that you saw 6,500 times in your Old Testament scriptures. I'm that same God that's walking on top of this water to get to you right now. The same God that walked with Adam and Eve, the same God that walked with Noah, that walked with Enoch, that walked with Isaac, that walked with Moses, that walked with Joshua, that walked with Daniel. I'm walking on this water right now toward you. Ego, I I'm here, he's telling them. I love that. That's why it makes sense that after he says, I am, that he says to them, don't be afraid. Because if you know who Yahweh is, and you know he's on your side, then you know you don't have to be afraid. Four realities of walking by faith. Number one, as you walk by faith, you're gonna face a foe. Number two, as you walk by faith, you have a firm foundation. You have a firm foundation in this walk. That's good news for us. What is that firm foundation in our walk by faith? What is the ground beneath our feet in this walk by faith? Our foundation for our walk of faith is the word of God. What God has said, that is the foundation because God's word will forever stand. His word has never cracked. Nobody's ever had to come in and and filling some some cracks with some mortar his word stands the test of time it will not crumble It is the wise man who builds his life upon the rock of the unchanging word of God. Listen, biblical faith is not wishful thinking. Biblical faith is not mindless. Biblical faith is not blind. No, biblical faith has a firm foundation, and our foundation of our walk of faith with Jesus is the word of God. Look at verse 28. Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. Now let me ask you, what would make a person decide in the middle of a storm, yeah, I'm gonna get out of a perfectly good boat and I'm gonna step out there on nothing and I'm gonna start walking? What would make any of us do anything outside the norm The ordinary, why would Peter abandon ship and step overboard to begin walking on water? I don't think anything would do that. The only explanation for doing that is God said it. God said do it. Jesus said come. There's only one reason that Peter stepped out of that boat. The word of God, Jesus told him to. Peter stepped out on the foundation of the word of God. We give Peter a little too much credit. He didn't walk on water, he walked on the word. He walked on the word of God. That's faith, believing, trusting the word of God. Jesus said, come, and Peter stepped out on the water. Noah built a boat in a world that had never seen rain, why? Because he stood on the word of God. Abraham held a knife over the heart of his only son, his promised son, why? Because he stood on the word of God. Moses went toe to toe with the mighty Pharaoh. Why, because he stood on the word of God. The apostle Paul forsook everything and he had lots of good things in his life. But he forsook all of that, why? Because he stood on the word of God. And over the last couple of weeks, we talked about gut punches and all sort of things like that. Man, I've just been reminded how many times I have watched so many of you get knocked to your knees just to watch you stand up in faith on the word of God over and over and over again. I'm so thankful for that. His word is our firm foundation. It will not crumble beneath our feet. His word stands forever and so will we because we stand on his word. Listen, there are no extraordinary men and women in this world. There's only ordinary men and women who stand on the extraordinary word of God, who hold by faith to the extraordinary God of his word. If God has told you that he won't leave you, stand on his word. If God has told you that he will meet all your needs, then stand on his word. If God has told you that he will provide for you, then stand on his word. If God has told you you're forgiven, you're free, then stand on his word. If God, and this is no if, but if God has said there is nothing in life or death, heaven or hell, or on the earth, below the earth, that's ever gonna separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, then stand on that word. If God has said, this is the right thing to do, and this is the wrong thing to do, then stand on that word. He said just one word to Peter, just one. And that's all Peter needed, and he moved in faith. Four realities of walking by faith. Number one, as you walk by faith, you'll face a foe. Number two, as you walk by faith, you have a firm foundation. Number three, as you walk by faith, you have to fight to stay focused. The foundation of our faith is the word of God and God's word always points us to the object of our faith. The object of our faith is the Son of God. It's Jesus. Jesus is the focus of a life that's walked, not by sight, but by faith. Look at verse 30. But when Peter saw the wind, where's his focus? It's not on Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. When Peter took his eyes off Jesus and put it on the storm, when he lost focus, that's when it went the wrong way. That's when he began to sink. He stopped looking at his Savior and he started looking at the circumstances. Sound familiar? A lot of chapters in my book live that way. Took his eyes off the Savior, looked at the circumstances, looked at the surroundings, looked at the situation. Peter starts looking around and starts thinking, there is no way I'm supposed to be doing this. This is not where I'm supposed to be. That old foe of fear begins to whisper into his heart once again, you need to get your backside back in the boat. This is not where you're supposed to be. Fear started lying to him, just like our fear lies to us. Some of you today, you've taken your your eyes off Jesus like Peter and you're starting to go the opposite way that God has told you to go. Shrinking back in fear, not walking by faith. You've lost your focus, Peter lost his focus. I have lost many times my focus. Maybe that's where you are today. You're going under because you've lost your focus. On Jesus, you've been focused on the situation, the circumstances, the surroundings. This is what faith is. Faith is staying focused on Jesus when nothing else makes any sense. That's faith. Faith is staying focused on Jesus when the storm's raging around you. That's faith. Peter's faith fails him this moment, and there will be times, and have been times, and will be some more times, that your faith and my faith, they're gonna fail us too. We're not always gonna be strong in those moments. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, right? Remember that hymn? So many times we will take our eyes off the Lord, but that brings me to the fourth thing I want you to know about walking by faith today, and it's this, as you walk by faith, you have a faithful friend. Look at verse 31. Jesus immediately, immediately, he reached out his hand and he took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Aren't you so glad he didn't go, you have little faith, you're gonna get what you got coming now. No, that's not the kind of friend we have in Jesus. And when they got into the boat, when they, both of them got into the boat, the wind ceased. What a friend we have in Jesus. The bad news is Peter took his eyes off the Lord. The good news is the Lord never took his eyes off Peter. The bad news is, we sit here today, a lot of us, consistently taking our eyes off the Lord. The good news is, he's never taken his eyes off of us. Your circumstances and your situation may have contributed to you losing sight of Jesus, but Jesus has never, will never lose sight of you. What a friend we have in Jesus. He saves, Jesus saves. Spread the news far and wide, Jesus saves. There's no friend like him. It's not your faith. Let me remind you of this, by the way, today. This is not, hey, let's put faith in our strong faith. No, no. This is let's put faith in our strong Savior. It's not your faith that saves you, Jesus saves you. Your faith will sometimes fail you, Jesus never will. Our boast is not in our faith. Our boast is in the object of our faith, Christ alone. Our boast is in him alone. Your faith hasn't saved you. Your faith hasn't redeemed you. Your faith hasn't cleansed you. Your faith hasn't satisfied God's wrath against you. Jesus alone has done all of that. Our faith is in him alone. Our faith often fluctuates up and down. It changes all over the place like the weather in Alabama, but he's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. You can't trust you, but you can trust him. I know the climb this morning, for some of you, is getting awfully steep. Keep walking. I know some of you this morning, you're tired. Keep walking. I know it feels like it's getting dark and lonely, and the storm's getting worse. But keep walking, and remember as you walk, you're gonna face the foe that all of God's people face, called fear, but you have a firm foundation. Walk on God's word. Walk by faith and stay focused. You gotta fight, you gotta fight in this battle that you're in. You gotta fight, Lord, help me to keep my eyes on you. This is happening all around me, Lord, and I wanna focus on that, I wanna fixate on that. Hey, that's normal, that's natural. But call on the Lord, right? God, help me to keep my eyes on you. And when your eyes shift away, the eyes of your friend doesn't. Immediately, he will be there. Because you have a friend in Him in this walk. God, I just pray this morning for those who find themselves today in some kind of storm. And God, I know that it may feel in this moment like you're a long way away. And we start to wonder if you know. We start to wonder if you see. We start to wonder if you care. God, help us to hear the footsteps this morning. Help us to hear those slow, steady, consistent, purposeful footsteps coming in our direction. And God, give us ears to hear what you have said to innumerable people of God through the centuries. Fear not. Fear not. That's his word. Will it be your foundation today? Will you stand on that and say, God, I will not fear. Help me, God. I believe, help my unbelief. I wanna believe you more. I want my life to not be marked by fear, not another day, but to be marked by faith in my God who is so good. I wanna invite you to stand. Weak and as tired as you may be this morning, if it's possible for you to stand, let's stand. and Let's listen to the Lord sing over us, his people. Listen for those footsteps coming in your direction today. Would everybody that's just in the middle of a storm keep standing, and if you're not right now in a storm, would you just take a seat? All of us sitting down, we get you, (laughs) amen? Because all of us sitting down, we've either just finished a storm or those of us that have been around a little while, we know we might be headed back toward another one. So this is kind of the fellowship of the storm riders, right? This is a good day for us to look around and see our brothers and sisters that are standing this morning in a storm and, and to just pray for them. So if you're standing or you're sitting near somebody that's standing and you're comfortable with just kind of easing over toward them and being close to them for just a minute, just do that. We're just gonna pray as a family for those in this storm, whatever that may be here today. Just draw near to somebody and if you're unfamiliar with who they are and don't feel comfortable, that's okay, Just just pray for them wherever you may be. Nobody's standing alone today, I promise you that. God, I, I wanna first thank you for my, my brothers and sisters, my friends who are, who are standing today. God, to, to say, God, you know where I am and I know where I am. And in this time, some other people with flesh on know where I am. Because we need to pray for each other. So God, we're doing that right now. We're lifting up these, these men and women in these moments, Lord. You know the storm even better than they do themselves. And so God, you're a God that can calm storms. You're a God that can calm us in the storm. You're a God that's transforming lives in the middle of storms. And so while we may not know your plan, we do know your heart. You are so very good. You're so faithful. and there is nothing out of control in all of this world. God, you are sovereign, and you are good. And God, we believe your word when you tell us that everything works together for good. Everything's not good, but everything before you is worked for good to those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. So God, I pray that today, the weight of fear in lives is being weak, is being lifted and lessened here today. That peace and freedom and hope and joy begins to move back into our hearts and our lives. It's a fight to focus on you, we know that, so we thank you for the grace you'll give us, moment by moment, to ride this out. Whatever it may be, however long it may last, we just know you're with us. We're grateful for that. i invite everybody, if you would, to just to stand back to your feet together. And here's, here's the thing I wanna show you before we get out of here today about this passage of Scripture. The climax of this place in Scripture The biggest thing that happens is not that Jesus walked on water. That's not the biggest thing that happened. The biggest thing that happened is not that Peter walked on water. That's not the biggest thing that happened. The biggest thing that happened is not that Jesus calmed the storm. That's not the biggest thing that happened. The biggest thing that happens in the story is we see the disciples do something that we've never seen them do before. Let me show you. Verse 33 says, and those in the boat worshipped. They worshiped him, and they said, truly, you are the son of God. Listen, if the storm drives us to worship, there is no greater place where we could land, amen, than at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him for who he really is. And so today, as the sun, like on that day, begins to rise early on this new day, the Lord's day, hope, faith, rising up, fresh and new, and I just thought it would be good and appropriate if we just joined with the disciples. Their hearts are still pounding. They they can't figure out what in the world has just happened and what's going on, but in the middle of pounding hearts, wide eyes, dripping, sopping wet, they just worship Jesus with everything they have, so that's the way we're going to finish out our time together today. Amen. Let's just do that together. Let's just worship the Lord.